Good morning, my name is Charlie and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to Squarespace's second quarter 2022 earnings conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the prepared remarks, there'll be a Q&A session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by one on the telephone keypad. And if you'd like to draw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you. I'll now hand the call over to your host, Robert Sanders, Head of Investor Relations at Squarespace. Robert, please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Robert Sanders, Head of Investor Relations. With me on the call today, Anthony Castellana, Squarespace founder and CEO, and Marcella Martin, our CFO. They will share some opening remarks and then open the call to your questions. Earlier today, we issued a press release and posted a shareholder letter in the Investor Relations section of our website with additional information related to our Q2 results. On today's call, we'll be referring to both GAAP and non-GAAP financial results and operating metrics. You can find additional information on how we calculate these metrics, including a reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP measures in today's press release. These measures should not be considered in isolation from or a substitute for our GAAP results. We will make forward-looking statements pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995, which include, but are not limited to, statements relating to our future financial performance. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause our actual results to differ materially. These risks are further defined in our most recent filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Any forward-looking statements that we make on this call are based on assumptions as of this day, July 25th, 2022. We undertake no obligation to update these statements as a result of new information or future events, except where required by law. I'll now turn the call over to Anthony. Good morning. I hope everyone had the opportunity to read our shareholder letter issued this morning, which is available on our Investor Relations website. It brings to life the topics we will discuss on this call. Squarespace benefits from 4.2 million unique subscriptions on our platform. As we think about the massive market opportunity in front of us, it's imperative that we continue to invest in our platform to remain a leader in the areas we operate. We will continue to develop new tools and refine our existing platform to help the next generation of creators and entrepreneurs build a brand and transact with their customers online. This quarter, we delivered a fundamental upgrade to the core part of Squarespace's content management system. This new design system called Fluid Engine lets us push forward a platform that is both more usable and expressive than our previous system. This benefits both our users who are just getting started and not familiar with web development, as well as our professional circle members who will find that the platform lets them do even more without resorting to custom code or complex tools. Fluid Engine is currently live to all customers using our 7.1 platform and anyone signing up for Squarespace today. We have some great demo videos and more up on our homepage for anyone interested. To enable the billions of transactions of all types we envision on our platform, we also are investing in an integrated payment solution, Squarespace Payments. We look forward to sharing more in future calls about the opportunities we see, enabling our customers to transact in more ways uh, and, and in more places on our platform. Momentum Around Talk, our unique solution for hospitality and time-slotted businesses, continues to build, and we're making significant investments to support Talk's future growth. We launched a new global brand campaign, Delicious Starts Here, to showcase the range of businesses using Talk's platform. The campaign includes strategic advertising across digital, print, and partnership channels. 
Talk is also beginning to draw large enterprise hotel groups as clients and is expanding to hospitality groups with hundreds of locations because of the ROI it presents and the ability for those groups to own the relationship to their end customer. It's been a bit over a year since our direct listing. One reason we chose a direct listing versus a traditional IPO was because we are cash generative and did not need to raise primary capital, but rather wanted to diverse, rather wanted our diverse stakeholders to have the ability to transact in the public markets. Our public listing also enables us to return the cash we generate to shareholders in the form of share buybacks. I'm delighted to report that under our $200 million repurchase program, we've bought over 1.5 million shares at an average price of 2073 per share through the end of the second quarter. Our CFO search is underway, and we've met with a number of quality candidates. In the interim period, I'm confident in our finance leadership, our finance leadership's team ability to execute. Marcella was gracious enough to join us for one more call before our departure. Please join me again in thanking her for her work at Squarespace. Recently, economist reports in the press have forewarned of an economic slowdown. While no two recessions are necessarily equivalent, Squarespace has historically fared well during times when individuals are seeking lower-cost alternatives to custom web development. Squarespace will continue to operate by balancing revenue growth with strong cash flow as we move throughout this period. Finally, I'd like to thank all of our employees who work tirelessly to delight our customers and deliver innovations that underpin our future success. Now, I'd like to turn the call over to Marcella to take you through the financials. Thank you, Anthony. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for being here today. I will talk about some of the highlights of the second quarter's performance and provide further details on guidance for the rest of the year. We executed well as we delivered revenue ahead of our estimated high end of guidance when adjusted for the impact of a stronger dollar versus what we had originally anticipated. Revenue of $213 million grew 9% year-over-year as reported, and 12% on a constant currency basis. Breaking revenue further down, presence grew 11% and commerce grew 15% year-over-year in constant currency. These results were driven by new unique subscriptions and strong customer retention across our base. Our business model and relentless focus on cash flow and profitability have driven and levered free cash flow to 36 million in the quarter, representing a 17% unlevered free cash flow margin, and adjusted EBITDA to 44 million, a 21% margin. Overall, we are pleased with our performance in the second quarter as we continue to execute towards our plan. There are a few specific items that I would like to unpack this quarter. The first item is on net new subscriptions. New subscriptions for websites and domains were ahead of our own internal forecast as we had stronger than expected months of May and June further expanding our loyal customer base of 4.2 million unique subscriptions. This quarter is impacted by a 2021 COVID quarter of a strong growth comparison and weak new business formation, overall as we had anticipated in our Q1 guidance. The most impacted product was Unfold, which has the lowest average revenue per unique subscription. The light net new unfold subscriptions are the result of a shift of social media trends 
resulting in a general decline in the photo category in the main platforms where Unfold is distributed. We are incredibly encouraged by the Unfold's team pace of innovation. We continue to deliver new products and features to position Unfold as an essential tool for creators on social media. We are especially encouraged by developments in Unfold's biosite functionality, which lets our customers create simple websites for their social profiles. The second item relates to the increase in customer acquisition cost per unique subscription. Our overall marketing spend includes investments in our core business and investments in newer revenue streams, such as stock, international expansion, and enterprise. These businesses are at a different maturity and development level versus our core business. At the beginning of the year, we talked about the increased marketing, research, and development investments that we are deploying at Talk. These marketing expenses have an impact on the calculation of acquisition costs, though these are not measured through the number of subscriptions that we acquire, as they mostly relate to marketing directed to consumers. We are quite pleased with how the business performs so far and the speed of launching new features and products, which has proved so far the return on investment that we had expected. We are continually updating our attribution model to evaluate our marketing spend and ensure that we are investing wisely. We expect to leverage marketing expenses further in the future, though not at the cost of nurturing new revenue streams for our business. Our history of a strong cash retention, rising average revenue per unique subscription, and growing customer LTV provide us with that confidence. The third item relates to spending in a recessionary environment. At the beginning of the year, we took a conservative approach related to our overall spend, and this allowed us to deliver strong cash flow margins in the last two quarters while also repurchasing shares. We continue to pay close attention to macroeconomic headwinds, and we will adjust expenses accordingly. We believe that our company is well positioned to continue to deliver revenue growth and profitability, even in a recession, in part because we believe that, our, that we offer our customers a low-cost solution to maintain a digital presence, both for their business and online presence. We provide essential web tools and sites for people looking to launch a business, transact with their customers, or promote themselves online. More than 90% of our revenue is subscription-based, and about 70% of the new additions typically pay for annual plans. The fourth item relates to FX headwinds, which had an impact on our actual results on an, and on our full-year guidance, as I will explain a little bit later. Besides the impact that we have shown in revenues, bookings of $220 million resulted in a 6% year-over-year growth, but 10% in constant currency. Also, we reached $838 million on annual run rate revenue, growing at 8% year-over-year, as reported, but because we calculate average annual run rate revenue using 
uh, received in the final month of the period, in this case June times 12, the large effect movements we witnessed in June had an outside impact on this calculation. Our balance sheet is strong and ensures that we have the resources to execute our strategies. As of June 30th, cash and marketable securities totaled 247.3 million, bolstered by strong cash generation in the period, allowing us to return over 35 million in share buybacks to our shareholders, as Anthony noted in his remarks. Turning now to some further details on guidance. Today, we update our guidance only to reflect changes in foreign exchange rates since we last offered guidance in May as our business remains on track to deliver on our prior guidance, excluding FX impact. We reduced the high end of our full year guided range for revenue by 12 million or 1.4% due to our exposure to sales in foreign currencies. Our outlook for profitability remains unchanged as we continue to drive towards a full year free cash flow margin and lever free cash flow margin of 18.7% at the midpoint of our guidance. For the third quarter of 2022, we expect revenue to be in the range of 213 million to 218 million representing a year-over-year -year growth range of 6 to 8% versus Q3 2021. We anticipate unlevered free cash flow in the range of 33.7 million to 38.7 million, which implies an unlevered free cash flow margin of 16.8% at the midpoint of our guided range. For the full year 2022, we expect revenue to be in the range of 857 to 867 million, representing a year-over-year -year growth rate range of 9 to 11%. We anticipate unlevered free cash flow in the range of 156.5 to 166.5 million. In Q1, we outlined our expectations for non-GAAP operating expenses in 2022. We are executing well against our prior comments and expect our non-GAAP expenses ratios to remain within the following ranges. Gross margin at our current level, so no changes to report. Previously, we noted expectations of marketing and sales expenses at a range between 32 to 35%. We now believe we will hit the high end of the range because of the exposure that we have to foreign currencies. While we are expanding our international presence with entities in Australia, UK, Netherlands, expenses denominated in foreign currencies are still lower than the revenues that we generate outside the U.S. Research and development to be at a range between 20 to 25% and G&A at approximately 11% of revenue. Our second quarter performance brings us closer to these full-year projections as we deliver industry-best operating performance. 
I've had the pleasure of leading the Squarespace finance team since I joined in 2020. In the interim period before a new CFO begins, I feel confident that the highly qualified leaders on the finance team will continue to support the business relative to their areas of expertise. And now we would like to open the line to your questions. Thank you. If you'd like to ask your question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. When preparing to ask your question, please ensure you're unmuted locally. As a reminder, that's star followed by one on your telephone keypad now. Our first question comes from Trevor Young of Barclays. Trevor, your line is now open. Great, thanks. Um, first one, based on that 3Q guide and what that implies for 4Q, it looks like you're assuming a modest uptick, call it like 8 to 10% year-on-year revenue growth versus 8% at the high end for 3Q. Can you just help us understand what's informing that uptick? Is there something that you see today that's, excuse me, giving you more confidence later in the year? Is it just some of the pricing initiatives you started with new subs earlier in the year and pricing for existing subs in the back half of the year? That's the first question. Uh, thanks, uh, Trevor, for the question. Yeah, we have, you know, we are assuming that um, our GMB trends are going to perform um, higher than Q2, and that is mainly related to uh, seasonality. And uh, of course, Q3 is suffering as Q4 from the impact of the FX uh, headwinds overall. We also talked in the past about you know our pricing initiatives that are uh, underway with regards to legacy customers, and uh, later in the year um, bundling which uh, you know, we are excited about the work that we have been doing there, and uh, we expect to uh, you know, release some further news probably in Q3, Q4. Great, thanks. And then just a, a separate one. On that bookings growth, the nearly 9-point cell, maybe a little bit less FX, while customers were maybe flattish or down the tad Q on Q, and GMB was also down. Was all that kind of consistent with your expectations? We're just trying to reconcile those trends and the commentary in the letter that the lower full-year revenue guide was really FX-based rather than a, a change in business fundamentals and growth trajectory. Um, yes, thank you again for the question. Um, you know, as the business continues to grow, uh, bookings will become a less relevant metric because the transactional portion of the business is growing <clears throat> faster than the, the rest of the business. What we are expecting, and this is something that we have already uh, you know, outlined in, in the full year guidance and Q1 much earlier on, is also the growth of, uh, of stock. So you know, as the business continues to grow, because stock, the, the vast majority of the business relates to payment, you can expect that it's going to um, you know, converge a little bit, a little bit more. Not fully, of course, because our business is still heavily relying on, on SaaS. But, uh, you know, for full-year guidance, we have only taken into account the impact of exchange rate, which is about $12 million uh, for the remaining of the year. Great. Thanks, Marcelo. Thank you for your questions, Trevor. Our next question comes from Matthew Fowle of William Blair. Matthew, your line is now open. 
Hey guys, thanks for taking my question. Wanted to ask on the uh, net additions in the quarter, you, you commented that they came in ahead of your expectations and you saw some strength in, in May and June. Maybe just some, some more details um, on why those are coming in ahead of your expectations and, and why May and June were, were stronger would, would be helpful. You know, in any given month, it's sometimes a little bit hard to to kind of tease out um, what was going on, especially considering the macroeconomic environment that surrounds us. But you know, it was pleasing to see that 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 those were a little bit ahead, while um, you know, Unfold was kind of behind where we wanted it to be. Um, Unfold's more global. I think the the <laughs> Russia situation affects it more. Um, things like that, but yeah, the core business remains strong, and so we were just encouraged to see the positive uh, reversion in seasonality. Great, and just to follow up, um, how about any you know updated commentary around re retention and, and churn? How did those trend in, in the quarter? Yeah, sure. We have not seen any changes in in churn. Um, again, the impact that we have on the on the net new is mostly related to uh, new, and with that, it's mostly related to unfold. And with regards to uh, you know retention, cash retention, it's better than prior year. And we actually, as you know, we pay a lot of attention to the 2020 and the 2021 cohorts to see how they behave if, you know, compared to the previous cohorts. So when you look at the 2020 cohort for uh, you know the end of the at the end of the quarter, it performed better than the 20 uh, sorry, it performed in line with 2019. But what it is exciting is that the 2021 cohort is actually performing better than the 2020 and the 2019 cohort at the same maturity level, right? For the, the, the whole year. So overall, you know, we are pleased with uh, you know with our customer base and how well they retain as we continue to innovate with products and features um, and so on. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. Our next questions come from Raquel Batesh of JP Morgan. Raquel, your line is now open. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. I know you guys spoke a little bit about the deceleration of Unfold this quarter, but presence revenue still accelerated quarter over quarter. So I'm curious what you guys saw performing well on the present side of your business. Can you repeat the second part of that? It was a little soft in line. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm curious what you saw performing well on the present side of your business. Versus Unfold. I think it's very similar to the other, what's that? Um, it's because of the lower ARPU. So when you look at our combination of revenue streams, you have very, very high ARPU uh, businesses like TOG, where a subscription may cost you $600, $700 a year, with very low um, you know, ARPU or average revenue per unit subscription for, for Unfold. And so while we have seen the net new uh, you know, for Unfold coming down, it did not have um, it did not have an impact overall on, on the revenue. And the, the other reason, of course, is, you know, our present business continues to, uh, you know, perform very, uh, very strong 
growing at a 7% on a year-to-year, year-over-year basis, but 11% on a constant currency basis. Uh, so the, the diversified uh, portfolio of revenue streams that we have, you know, allow um, uh, allow for for that flexibility that one one business may not be performing as expect, expected. It may be compensated by by the other businesses. But but again, I mean, unfold is a small. Um, it's a smaller revenue size overall, and it's um, it's a small, very low ARPU. Uh, but in terms of our, um, unique subscription, it has a significant impact when you look at, at that because, uh, first of all, the base of, of customers that have unfolded is pretty large, and uh, for the most part, you know there is a little, there is not much attached yet between unfold and uh, websites. So there's a lot of potential for, for growth there as well, particularly with, uh, with biocides. Yeah, I just want to highlight one of the things. You were, I think, asking about what was going well in the presence business. And, I mean, obviously one of the highlights in the quarter that we point out is uh, the launch of Fluid Engine, which is a core improvement to our content management system. But those kinds of updates are happening really all the time behind the scenes in Squarespace across both presence and commerce. And so I'd like to think that, you know, we are not even close to finished innovating on the on the core platform, and I think that we really have an edge right now in terms of um, what we've got out there from a product perspective in the market. Just one thing I want to clarify, because I said talk uh, subscription $600 a year. It's actually $600 a month. Apologies. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Our next question comes from Ron Josie of City. Ron, your line is now open. Great. Thanks for taking the question. I, I had two, please. And maybe, Anthony, just a follow-up from a prior question around um, sub-growth and why May and June were better than expected. And I think the answer was, you know, ebbs and flows. But maybe can you just talk a little bit more? I think you mentioned macro in your prepared remarks, how you prepared for it. But is there anything that maybe stood out in May and June that were better? Was it maybe around fluid, I know it just launched, but um, maybe that or, or marketing campaigns that might have drawn, driven better May and June. And then lastly on fluid engine, you just mentioned it, Anthony, but um, talk to us a little bit more about how web pros benefit from this in the process for just raising awareness among web pros for fluid engine. Thank you. Thanks. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I have much more color around, you know, the May, June um, uh, stuff that was more positive there. I mean, we're, You've got we advertise across every channel imaginable, and some are you know depending on a lot of factors outperforming, and some are underperforming, and we're updating our attribution model and rebalancing our spend. So there was a lot of that. Um, what's interesting that from a macro perspective is this is one of the first uh, summers we're starting with really kind of lower COVID rates in a lot of the areas that we were, um, or lower COVID impact I should say in a lot of the areas that. Um, I had it in the past, so these are just interesting years. Sometimes we're the beneficiary, sometimes sometimes the headwind. In this case, uh, we're, we're we're seeing that we're a beneficiary. Second, to your question around Fluid Engine and specifically web professionals, you know, this launch is something I'm really proud of because I think you know what you're seeing is us invest in one unified system that really works for both. And so, if you're new to the platform, you're not a pro. This system is easier to use than what we currently had on the platform for almost the past decade. But at the same time, if you're a web professional and you're comfortable using the tool, 
the expressibility aspect of the tool matters uh, a lot more to you than maybe the usability does. And what's really great about this is now within one system, you've got one, our section-based design system, but Fluid Engine can appear as a section and web pros can get a lot more flexibility out of this tool. And that means that you know, they just don't need to resort to either way more complex tools or custom code as much. So I'm really, I'm really happy about this launch. I think it underscores really what makes Squarespace special in a lot of ways, um, that we're able to kind of pull this off in one system. Yeah, at a glance, it may seem like these things are easy to do or create, but they just really aren't, which is why there's so few companies at our scale that um, have the results we do in websites and are, and are usable by so many millions of people. Um, so it's really an upgrade across both that DIY and professional audience. And, and any plans on specific marketing around Fluid Engine with the launch? Thanks, guys. Yeah, actually, it's going to show up in a lot of our campaigns. Um, right now, if you go to squarespace.com, there's demo videos that can show you kind of how it operates. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of, like, fancy stuff in those videos, but it's, like, kind of not fake. Like, that's kind of how it works. It's really, really, really good. Um, so, yeah, you'll see it appear uh, visually in a lot of marketing campaigns, and, yeah, it's live on the front site um, right now. I, I think when you think about marketing it, it it's not that the – it's not – the core message of Squarespace is not different. This just helps more people get better results and more varied results on the platform, really bridging the gap between some of the higher-end tools and, frankly, the usability of um, uh, some of the simpler tools, right? I think that at times – I had always thought about Squarespace as having, you know, really, really good expressibility, but then maybe for the page builder, it's like, oh, this is not the easiest to use. And I think this really lets us turn a corner with that. Um, so really happy about it. Again, it's an in-place upgrade. So, uh, you know, it's rolled out to everyone. Um, you can convert your old pages, or if you're signing up for Squarespace today, you'll, you'll automatically have um, this platform. Got it. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Our next question comes from Christopher Zhang of Credit Suisse. Christopher, your line is now open. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Your international mix was uh, pretty strong in the second quarter, especially adjusted for FX and on the basis of year-on-year uh, -year incremental international mix. And um, that's perhaps the first time you've caught out the Pacific region. So can you talk a little bit about your initiatives there that's driving the trend and uh, what's the relative impact of the Pacific, Pacific region today versus the Euro? And then I'll have a follow-up on GMB. So, you know, nothing we're doing right now in terms of international is significantly different than what we were doing in, um, uh, you know, from prior quarters. Um, I think you're seeing just the result of many initiatives play out, right? Currency, language, our support queues in multiple languages, multiple ways to check out and pay for Squarespace, um, localized campaigns that are running uh, internationally. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, <clears throat> we continue to be pleased with the, with, with the growth outside of the U.S. Um, obviously, and, you know, it was mentioned in the prepared remarks, and I think it'll probably come up in these questions. You know, when we're investing in marketing. Not all of our business lines and all of our regions are as developed as we are, you know, in the U.S. So when we're investing in um, talk and, you know, international markets, it's it's a drag if you look at it on a holistic basis versus 
um, you know, what's happened in the U.S. But uh, as you're pointing out, that eventually pays off. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we continue to, you know, expand globally. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, Christopher, last year we did um, uh, marketing campaigns for the first time that were localized for certain markets. And we continue to do this uh, at the beginning of the year, but at, you know, at a much lower scale. And uh, Australia is a very good market uh, for us. And we can see now the impact of those marketing campaigns where we are raising, you know, brand awareness and how they are paying off on the, um, on the net uh, additions that, that we are seeing coming from, you know, from, from international. So as, as Anthony said, it's, it's the combination of all the efforts that, that we are doing um, and also what we have started, uh, you know, last year in, in a much, at a much deeper level. Thanks, um, Anthony and Marcella. And then I have a follow-up on the GMB which is uh, somewhat weaker than typical seasonality and arguably from the macro trends that was actually holding up in the second quarter. So can you unpack the sequential move in the GMV, maybe by the underlying categories such as goods versus services, and particularly how POC was performing? Thank you. Sure. So um, glad you're calling this out because when you look at our GMV, I think we saw this last quarter that people expected us to be much more correlated with you know, just essentially physical good sales. But in that GMV number we have, um, there's many categories. So you've got the scheduling business, which operates differently than the hospitality and time-slotted based businesses that TOC has and operates differently than our e-commerce business and operates differently than our member areas businesses, which are just, you know, just starting to grow. Um, <laughs> so within there, I think TOC saw a, a much more normal quarter than they've, they've really seen in the past, I think. You know, two items to highlight there. One, um, the beginning of adoption by larger chains, and then which will significantly impact GMV. And then also, um, hospitality industry woes lightening a bit in terms of um, workforce ability to open, all all those sorts of things. So those things moved in a positive direction for talk. Um, the scheduling business remains strong, and the physical, yeah, and the member areas business is growing and 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 looks good. Um, and then the you know. I think we're all seeing kind of a little bit of movement in a different direction for physical goods. Um, so, but but this is why I like how we're positioned. I mean, Squarespace has always been about many, many ways to sell. And as we keep strengthening that and grow real business revenue lines there, you know, you will not see us impacted by any one, hopefully, any one single trend in particular um, with within there. Um, so. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Really appreciate the color. Sure. Thank you. Our next question comes from Josh Beck of KeyBank. Josh, your line is now open. Thank you for, for taking the question. Uh, I think on the prior call, you had cited the idea that business formations were pretty observable headwind. Obviously, we're further along in the year at this point. Um, certainly, I think, you know, we, we all can see the U.S. data um, quite well, probably have less of a of a handle globally. So maybe if you could just um, talk about what type of expectations you're embedding there uh, as we think about the second half. So it's interesting. We've begun to do a little bit of research on our side as well around the correlation with small business formations and what we're seeing in the main products. I would just I would just caution and say, 
in the past, we did see not an extreme correlation, but a correlation. In different periods of time, we actually observed that it wasn't as correlated as it used to be. Um, you know, we may be returning to a time of correlation, but, you know, I would just, again, issue that word of caution that you, you don't always see it play out uh, the way you might think. And then, in addition, um, as our revenue streams diversify and you've got scheduling and member areas and all these ways for creators to interact online and things like unfold, the, the, the correlation error, I think, will lessen. Um, so that's just kind of how we kind of how we view it. Okay, uh, very helpful. And then, you know, just with respect to the pricing initiatives, it, it always seems like there's a great opportunity to reap some of the, the extra value that you've you've created. You know, also on, on the other side, it, it can, um, yeah, I think, cause churn in, in some small cases. Obviously, it, it's generally viewed as a net positive. So just kind of help us think about how you're kind of framing these these different uh, factors as we approach the, the pricing initiatives here. Yeah, so I'd highlight two areas that I highlighted in the past. One is our, our bundling and positioning of the packages, which is, you know, I'm a believer that Squarespace has a lot of products in market that just due to how we've rolled them out over time, there's just a lot of different subscriptions in there you have to use to access those products. And I think that as we rethink our bundling strategy and how we how we present those to an end consumer, um, I think there's going to be a lot of leverage we've got just giving people more access to the things we already made, frankly. Um, and that's something we are looking to have happen in, you know, later this year, early next. The other point you make and that we've made on the call is just around refreshing pricing for existing users. Now, we have never done that before. And right now we are rolling out and we have started rolling out um, a pretty modest uh, price increase. You know, we don't anticipate this. Uh, we're monitoring it, of course. We don't anticipate this causing a massive amount of churn. Um, you know, the danger is there. You know, somebody realizes they didn't, you know, want the website and they're like, oh, I just wasn't using this. But on the on the flip side, with a very modest price increase, I mean, to to move your website because it costs you ten or twenty dollars more a year it is sort of a assuming you want the website, probably not a great use of your time to react to that. Especially considering two things: one is that competitors have also raised their prices, and so you're not really going to something cheaper. And two, even within Squarespace. Um, you know, many of our customers that are getting renewal price, their legacy prices updated are still coming in under list price if you just re-signed up with Squarespace. And so we're monitoring that situation, but I think I think I think it's not a crazy thing for us to have a modest price increase after you know literally never doing it. Yeah, just to add to that, you know, we we uh, see strength of our platform, um, you know, particularly on solopreneurs and creators and so on, which a little bit speaks also about the, you know, the new business formations that you asked earlier, because most of these businesses or some of these businesses may start, you know, with a website before even uh, registering themselves. Um, but with regards to the pricing increases in particular, we are doing this in, in, a, in a very thoughtful manner, looking at cohorts by cohorts, and within the cohorts, the prices for each of the sub-cohorts. So in, at any point in time, we can stop um, any increase and, and, and really you know, pull back without any major 
changes because not everybody is getting the same price increase. We, we discussed earlier the fact that it's going to take a significant amount of time to get everybody in the base to a listing price according to the you know the website because all of the cohorts have different prices and within the cohorts there are cohorts sub cohorts that have different prices as well. So our ability to really monitor and check on turn and so on is very, very uh you know very high just because we are doing this on a very thoughtful space uh base to uh you know to make sure that we protect our, our revenue base. And again, just to emphasize it, not all of our customers that are receiving the increase would actually be even moved to our current list price. Right. So, yeah. Super helpful. Perfect. Thank you. Our next question comes from CT Panagrahi of Mizuho. CT, your line is now open. Thank you. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, so, Anthony, unlike many other companies, uh, Squarespace has gone through recession, even survived, you know, in prior recession. So, help us understand a little bit, like, what, how does the different segments react during recession, and how prepared you are? Uh, I mean, 20 post COVID, it was more of a tailwind for uh, online presence and e-commerce, but in a prior recession, how, mm -hmm. how prepared you are. Uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, so thanks for her, thanks for asking that. Um, look, and I said it in the prepared remarks, you know, it's tough for me to... So one, last time we were through a recession, we didn't have as many diversified revenue streams, so I can't comment on, on what those might have looked like. I will say, though, that the core business during prior recessions performed well because, one, it's a low-cost DIY tool. So instead of, you know, having to go out there and pay somebody for setup, you know, you might try and set it up, you know, set the site up yourself. And so we saw a lot of positive usage. <clears throat> Further, during your recession, yeah, some businesses close, but also some people just lose their job. Um, and so they set out and try more entrepreneurial things than they might have. I mean, Squarespace actually itself was started in 2003, which is not exactly like a fun time, uh, you know, after the tech collapse. So I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial um, uh, initiative happens during these times of constraint. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I think we're, you know, well positioned there. Um, also in terms of like cutting costs in your business, like turning your website off is not exactly like the place most people start if they needed a website. I mean, Squarespace is not a huge line item expense for people. So um, pretty confident there. Uh, that, you know, things should be, things should be okay. Um, you know, further in the core business, you know, we love highlighting how uh, profitable we are uh, from a cash flow basis. And so, you know, we have used the period to, you know, we, we said this in, a, in January that, you know, we were starting to look at um, just making sure we were right size cost-wise in the business from, from, from the very beginning. So I think we've, we're very good at controlling our costs. Obviously, we're investing for growth, so we don't want to turn that off, which is why we're always talking about the balanced um, um, revenue growth with profitability. But, I mean, there's just a lot of flexibility in the core business there. Uh, so we're really confident. I mean, as I look into next year, um, you know, just taking the free cash flow margin up is kind of what I'm expecting to do. Um, 
So uh, I think I think we're 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 in a good spot there. Um, also worth noting that you know there was a reason we went and it's related to the cash flow comment, but we did a direct listing because Squarespace didn't need to raise money uh, because it was profitable. So um, you know we're not like out there in the public markets having to raise money. In fact, as you saw from the buyback, we're just using the time where there's a bit of fear going around right now to say, hey, you know we think you know. We think the buyback can make sense for us, and so that's what we executed on. So you see all those factors in play. That's yeah, and great to color. Add, and uh, to that, you know, one more point on the you know profitability and the strength of the core business. At the beginning of the year, we talk about the investments that we are doing in younger revenue streams, like talk international and enterprise. And uh, so, you know, we are delivering, we're expecting to deliver um, unlevered free cash flow margins that are in, in, in the range of 16, 17% for, for the quarter and, you know, even higher for, for the year, in spite of the fact of, that we are making those investments in, in those business that are an actual drag to the unlevered free cash flow margins and the EBITDA margins that we have uh, shown. Uh, the- that, thanks for that color and quick clarification. And uh, by the way, how much was the talk revenue this quarter? And uh, and Anthony, I think you talked about Squarespace payments that you are going to launch this uh, year. Was it this year or was, or was it planned for next year? Why it's planned for payment? next year. Um, and for the um, talk, we don't we don't split out the uh, the the revenue specifically. Yeah, but um, Siri, I Thanks. know you have like you know the revenues for uh, you know we have been talking about organic versus inorganic growth throughout the whole entire year last year when we acquired Talk, and um, Talk continues to grow nicely, and um, you know in, in the overall growth rate it represents approximately a hundred basis points on on the you know on the on the growth. Um, just to give you a little bit more color about about talk. Great, thank you. Mm-hmm. Our next question comes from Navid Khan of Truist Securities. Navid, your line is now open. Yeah, hi. Thanks a lot. Um, so we are hearing about the consumer wallet kind of shifting more towards experiential spend, whether it's travel or other things, and just wondering how it affects your GMV number because your GMV, as you pointed out, is pretty diversified uh, streams uh, between bookings and everything else. So just talk to us about that and, and how we should think about maybe GMV growth um, in the back half and maybe for next year, how, how should we be thinking? Uh, the other question I have is around uh, opportunities for M&A. Uh, as valuations continue to adjust, uh, Anthony, can you just talk about what are you seeing out there with respect to um, potential uh, bite-sized acquisitions. Sure. So first off, with, the, with respect to consumer spending, I think what's interesting is we sort of we capture a bit of that. Um, y- you know, when we kind of go through our, our GMV commentary, and if you think about, hey, okay, I'm not going to buy this physical, you know, this this wallet. I'm going to go and invest in an experience. You know, we're perfectly situated to capture that demand with things like talk which is about time-slotted businesses and will eventually be about events. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's just going to highlight the power of the diversified revenue streams that we have. 
Um, and what was your second? Uh, you said second question. Oh, it was around M and A opportunities in the term. Yeah, so our M and A strategy remains unchanged. I think we're in, in integration mode right now with the with the products that or with the um, platforms that we currently are bringing together. Um, you know, the share buyback does not prevent us from uh, executing on M and A within a target range that we have, and so we re will remain opportunistic. But look, I mean, Squarespace is also really good at building things too. So a lot of times um, when you see a company might have to resort to M and A to buy something. Um, you see us, uh, you know, flexing our build muscle. I mean, Squarespace didn't execute on any M&A for 15 years or so of its existence. Um, again, we like, we like having the muscle, but um, it's just an opportunistic thing for us. Got it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our next question comes from Clark Jeffries of Piper Sandler. Clark, your line is now open. Hello, uh, thank you for taking the question. Um, Anthony, you, you briefly mentioned some of the upmarket uh, momentum and talk could impact GM, GMV significantly. You know, how are you feeling about the pipeline there for other uh, upmarket brands uh, being and in, in, in feeling comfortable investing in that platform? And is there anything driving that upmarket traction beyond some of those macro factors you called out in the, in the hospitality vertical? Well, the interesting thing about Talk versus the um, the Squarespace, uh, many of the Squarespace brands is, uh, I mean, Talk really started very upmarket and is moving down uh, with the events product that we're working on and other things to be, um, you know, to move to a broader base. So, I mean, the upmarket spot is their sweet spot. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of how it's oriented. I right, agree. And then, you know, clarifying a little bit of, you know, how we should think about Fluid Engine, could you maybe give some color on the portion of users that will be getting access to Fluid Engine here over the next quarter? You know, what portion of subscribers are on an eligible version to get that uh, that innovation? So it's 100% of new subscribers today. And um, if you're on the seven, I don't have an exact number for you off like on the 7.1 platform how many are enabled today. I would just say this, in terms of business impact, it's gonna have a, a, a much bigger impact for new sites than existing sites, because if you have an existing site, you've kind of like created those pages already. And so this might be better, and you might you know, use it to get more expressive layouts at times, but it's really around that new, new build experience that I think you're going to see um, it, it shine, especially people putting sites on the platform that otherwise would have had to go to different tools because the expressibility isn't there, right? And you're always limited by that. So hopefully it's um, uh, CAM expanding for us, which is which is which is really important. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't make the site you wanted using the platform's tools, you're going to be on another platform. Or you're going to go to custom code, or you're just going to settle for what's on the platform. So. Um, I really, uh, I think the team has done just a fantastic job at this release, and it was, uh, again, we've been testing it for a while, and so now it's out to everybody. Perfect. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you for your questions. Unfortunately, this is all we have time for, so therefore this concludes today's call. Thank you so much for joining. You may now disconnect your lines.